Faith and Reason Podcasts, new media for the new evangelization from Franciscan University of Steubenville. Find more at faithandreason.com. You're listening to Father Dave Pivanka, TOR, Director of Post-Novitiate Formation for the Franciscan Third Order Regular Sacred Heart Province, giving a talk entitled Lessons in Leadership, the Camino de Santiago. Father Pivanka's talk was part of a leadership conference sponsored by the Center for Leadership at Franciscan University of Steubenville. For those of you who don't know, the, the, and we could go in a long time just about the history of it, but Santiago is the burial place of St. James. When Jesus says, go to the ends of the earth uh, to proclaim the gospel, St. James literally did that. And the ends of the earth was that region of Spain, the western region of Spain. Uh, and and St. James evangelized there. He gets called back to Jerusalem uh, as the first bishop of Jerusalem. He's martyred, and his body is taken back to that region. In the Middle Ages, there were mainly, mainly three pilgrimage sites, uh, Holy Land, Rome, and Santiago, Santiago of which was the most famous of them. Historians will say that any given, at any given time during the Middle Ages, perhaps as much as 25% of the population of Europe would be either on pilgrimage to or from Santiago. So for 1,100 years, it has been one of the primary uh, pilgrimage sites in the world. Uh, in the beginning of my book, uh, the first thing I speak about is pilgrimage. And John Paul said the entire, the heart of the, the entire uh, spiritual life is a pilgrimage. That we are on a journey some, for somewhere. And the question we have to ask ourselves is where is that taking us? John Paul would go on to say uh, that this pilgrimage is taking us to the heart of the Father. So that all of our life, so that we have this sense, and it's in, in many respects what's been being said this weekend, is that leadership isn't something I do now and now I don't. But leadership is a way of living, it's a way of being, it's a way of relating, relating as it is with uh, pilgrimage. Is that our life should be about pilgrimage, uh, leading us to somewhere. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to talk a little bit about this. So I, I did, the reason I did the, the Camino was to thank the Lord for letting me be a priest. I've been a priest for 10 years, and the community allows you some type of a retreat. And I was actually uh, walking back from St. Joseph Center at the time I was the director of the Youth Outreach Office. Is that right? No, I was actually, I, I was a VP of mission uh, at the university, walking back from my office. And some of the students were talking about the Camino. And uh, oddly enough, it was the same two students that I told you about last night who wanted to be holy. So uh, uh, there's kind of recurrence of them in my mind. So, so they, they said, we're not going to do the whole thing. The whole thing would take a month. Well, my community, after 10 years of ordination, you're often given a month for some kind of a retreat or something like that. And I'd been thinking about what I should do. And when I heard this, the communal takes a month. It's like, hmm, that would be interesting. So I called a buddy of mine who was also celebrating his 10th anniversary. Uh, and I said, Joe, what are you going to do for your anniversary? And this was, we were still about two years out. And he goes, I mean, that's still two years away. I haven't thought about it. But we have to plan. So uh, I said, how about we go for a walk? And Joe's like, all right, sure, what you got in mind? I said, well, let's walk across Spain. So we walked 500 miles, and the reason I did it is in gratitude allowed for the Lord letting me be a priest. 500 miles, just to give it perspective, would be uh, leaving here, Steubenville, and walking basically to Milwaukee. So uh, 500 miles. So my thought was, with, given that I wrote, walked 500 miles, for this talk on leadership, I have a point for each mile that I walked, okay? <laughs> So, take out extra paper. So, uh, and I've actually, I've used some of this PowerPoint before, but never for this particular kind of talk, so we'll see. And I'm really fancy with PowerPoint, so I'm just gonna do that again for you, just so you can appreciate that. <laughs> That's about as, as fancy as this is gonna get, all right? It was interesting listening to uh, John this morning uh, in the light of what I had already prepared, uh, because I think there's some, some things that are fundamentally true and universally true. Uh, and that is uh, that one needs to have a plan. So as I stated, that, that I started planning for the Camino for about two years out. Uh, because to be able to get away for a month and all that went into it, as it turned out, when I began the Camino, which was in 2006, I was the director of the Gomming program. So uh, I was already in Europe, it was in pretty good shape, all those kinds of things, playing the Frisbee and Walking Book Mountain and all those kinds of things. Um, but part of this plan for, for me had to be uh, all, all of the various things, where we're going to meet, what we're going to take, what we're going to carry. And one of the things that everything I read about said that when you're planning for the Camino, that your, your backpack should weigh about, for me, it should have weighed about 18 pounds. 
because your, your body just isn't used to carrying something day after day after day after day. They would say when, in most of the materials that I read, the first 10 days of the Camino are unbelievably difficult. It's like how difficult, maybe for mere mortals it's going to be difficult, but not for me because, I mean, how hard can it be? I, I walked over here this morning, all right? It was not hard at all. How, seriously, how hard can this be? The body just is not used to walking day after day after day after day, mile after mile, hour after hour, carrying backpacks. So part of this plan was, um, what is it that I'm gonna need? So this is the, the, the a map of where we walked. Obviously we started up in saint jean Port, which is the upper corner far right, and we walked to Santiago, and there, all of these different little dots and stuff you see are various routes that took place. So over the centuries, many, many routes, uh, all of it, as you see, is leading to Santiago. So I walked what's called the traditional route, uh, again, 500 miles. And this process of planning, and I think when we think about leadership, the scripture I use back there, I'm gonna go back to that, uh, is from Proverbs. Uh, Without a vision, people perish. Is that we have to have a vision in the leadership and what we want to accomplish and what we want to do, there has to be a vision. And some of these can be really, really little things, like, like John said this morning, that we have to have a plan for prayer. And, and that's gonna be a very simple thing. We're gonna have a plan for what we're gonna to do today. We're gonna to have a plan for what we're gonna do with our life. And as he said, I think we spend lots of time planning for education and retirement and all of that, but what about being holy? And that we don't have a concrete plan as if it's gonna magically happen. So for the Camino, it was one of the most important things is, is that the individuals, we need to have a plan on what we're gonna do and where we're gonna walk and how far we're gonna walk and this idea of how, when we're gonna stop and all of this plan. The other part is that we need to have an end in mind. If you've read Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, whatever it's called, uh, one of the things he says is that we have an end in mind. So what is the goal that we want to bring about? So that when we had this plan, Father Joe and I had this plan, and the plan was we were going to start the Camino in the middle of May, we were going to walk 500 miles, and the plan was to finish on the Solemnity of Corpus Christi. Hmm? This is the plan. And it's important that we as leaders are able to articulate that. If there's not a sense of where we're going, then people aren't going to get behind us. It's like, yeah, I think we're going to go. I'm not sure what we're going there's, there's no, people don't want to follow an individual that doesn't know where they're going, that doesn't have a plan, that hasn't thought this through. And that we need to be concrete. I think one of the greatest mistakes that we make in leadership is we're not concrete. We have this vague idea, but we need somebody that's able to make concrete steps. And then this is where we want to be in Santiago, Spain, on the Feast of Corpus Christi. And then we need to have concrete steps that are going to get us there. So we need to look at the plan, and the plan needs to be concrete. Amen? And we need to be able to communi communicate that vision. One of the things that I speak about leadership, I honestly speak more about it when I'm dealing with uh, worship leaders. But there's a difference between a travel agent and a tour guide. Uh, a tour guide tells somebody where to go. A travel agent takes somebody there. And then I think in our leadership that there's something about being this travel agent that I'm not just going to tell somebody, okay, this is where you need to go, but I've got to be able to walk with them, to lead them and guide them and bring them to that place that we want to be. So we have to have a plan. So the first uh, part of this first plan was where we're we going to go. So we started to say Jean PD Port. And if we have questions and that kind of thing, just raise your hand, throw something at me because I'm going to have to go fast because we've only got... Uh, 52 minutes now, all right? And I'm actually, punctuality is a big thing to me, so uh, those of you who are not punctual, we'll talk later, all right? So this, this is what I needed to bring. Again, my backpack had to weigh roughly 18 pounds, and this was a big thing because I needed things for Mass. So I needed scriptures, I needed my prayer books, I needed my chalice, I needed my, all these kinds of things. So as I was preparing, I would put everything in my backpack and I would weigh it, and it would weigh around 24, 25 pounds. So I would take everything out and it would put everything back in and it would weigh about 24 or 20, and it would take everything out. And you'd think that one would learn that if you take everything out and put everything in, it's not gonna change weight. But I thought maybe miraculously it would happen, and it didn't. So this is what I needed, everything in there. So there's nothing in there that I couldn't go without. I was giving this particular talk one time and my older brother was in the crowd, and I said, look at that list. Is there anything there that I wouldn't need? And my brother said, a comb. <laughs> so my brother thinks he's so funny, all right? <laughs> Okay, so this is the thing that we needed in the backpack. And, and you really, you begin to perseverate about the stuff that goes in there because everything you read says it has to be 18 pounds. It has to be, 18, well, basically what they were talking was depending on your body weight and that kind of thing. So this is what I have. This is just a cool picture. It has nothing to do with anything other than, other than in, in its, um, the gal, actually, the, as you sure you can tell, the person on the right is a woman. Um, she was a, a gal who was Protestant and she had never met a Catholic priest. So she wanted to walk, so she walked with myself and Father Joe. And actually, oddly enough, when we're walking, where this picture was taken was about 
10 miles from uh, San Jose Escriba that John was talking about this morning. Um, but one of the things that, that we need to learn about when we're creating this plan is we need to understand what's important and what's not important. Any leader has to be able to understand that. What do we need and what do we not need? So that again was part of that creating of the plan and the vision is what do I really need and what are ancillary things that often become distractions. Because there's some things that we take with us that we don't actually need and they ultimately become problematic. So this gal, again, she, she had the mouth of a sailor. Every other word was the F-bomb. It was unbelievable. And it didn't matter to her that we were priests. It was kind of like, this is just fantastic. So she was great. And, and her name was Mara. And, and after a day or two, she walked with us for three days and, and asked her, I said, what's your name mean? And she kind of hemmed and hawed and she didn't say anything. So we moved on. And it was just kind of interesting. So I asked her, your name, like Mara, is it a derivative of Mary and all that? And then eventually she said, she goes, it's actually not really my name. Okay, I'll bite. You know, I didn't realize we could take characters on this. Uh, so, so Father Joe and I, we said we, the next day we made up characters. Yeah, I'm a naval pilot. Uh, my friends call me Maverick, but you can call me whatever you want. So, but as it turns out, it was, it's, uh, she, she, her name was Mara, and it was actually taken from Scripture, although she didn't realize that. She took it from a book by the uh, title of Olith. But uh, Mara means bitterness. And this was a gal who was 24 years old, had been divorced, estranged from her father, hadn't talked to her father in like six years. Uh, and she said that I realized that I'm carrying a lot of bitterness and, and I want to leave bitterness behind on the Camino. Uh, we had a pedometer, 1.1 million steps is what we took. And, and she was saying uh, each step of the way she wanted to leave bitterness behind. A leader is able to see what it is that's necessary to take with us in this plan, what it is to carry, uh, in what it is that, in fact, we need to surrender. So, amen? Isn't that cool? I'm just going to do these all for you again, just because it's cool. You may ask, what did I do till 1 o'clock in the morning last, this morning? And this was it. Um, nowhere to look for directions. Okay? A leader has is, is got to be, and as you know, we don't do things by ourselves. The scripture is obviously, seek and ye shall find. Uh, we're not about this just for ourselves, but we need to be able to look to other people and find other people that are able to help us because we can't do things by ourselves. So one of the places, obviously, we begin looking for direction is with the Lord. So this was uh, the chapel that we started in in St. jean pied Poor the night before the Camino started. This was two years of planning and excitement and all that kind of thing and not really sure what I'm getting into. One thing about a plan, I think, particularly for us as leaders, it's important is, yes, we need to have a plan, but there also needs to be some flexibility to that because things are always thrown to us that are gonna cause us to change. So we need to have a plan, but we're not so rigid that the plan begins to dominate rather than the goal in the end mind, okay? So I'm sitting in this chapel, which so happened to be uh, called Our Lady of Notre Dame, all right? Just on a side note, uh, I am wearing at this moment a Notre Dame football t-shirt, all right? So everything that John said, you can ignore, all right? So, but that's something I'm working through, all right? Um, so, so I'm sitting in this chapel, and, and remember I shared yesterday, I prayed that prayer, Lord, do whatever you need to do to make me holy. Well, that's where this happened. I'm sitting in this chapel the night before my Camino, before I begin a walk of 500 miles that saints and millions of people for over a thousand years have done, and I prayed in my craziness, Lord, do whatever you need to do to make me holy. And in the midst of that, I found myself thinking about my backpack. And, and just kind of obsessing with my backpack and, and all of the things that are in it. And I was going through because it was like, it was more than 18 pounds. I was thinking, well, what can I get rid of? What can I get rid of? And, and I'd go through my mind, literally, well, I need this, I need this, I need this. And we each had, Father Joe and I each had one luxury item. Mine was this small inflatable pillow because I was in a car accident when I was a kid. So uh, if I sleep without a pillow, I get a bad neck and all that. So I had this little inflatable pillow. Father Joe's was a bottle of Listerine. Uh, who knew, all right? I got rid of that pillow after about the second or third day because I realized, A, there were usually pillows, and B, I didn't want to get rid, I didn't want to have to carry it anymore. Father Joe got rid of his Listerine the next day because he realized he didn't need to carry a bottle of Listerine around with him for 500 miles. Um, I wished he would have kept it. But again, so sitting in this chapel, uh, what is it that I need to get rid of? And, and really looking for direction with the Lord and thinking about my backpack, and I realized, as, as in one sense I already shared, um, it's not about the backpack, huh? It's not about getting rid of something in the backpack. Rather, perhaps the Lord is inviting me, inviting us to get rid of something that we carry every day that we shouldn't be carrying because it bogs us down. Perhaps it's bitterness. 
anger, frustration. Honestly, guys, one of the things I do with most is regret, is, is that we just carry a bunch of regret. And, and oftentimes, I love the Psalms. The Psalms speak about sins that we committed, the sins of our youth. Lord, forgive the sins of our youth because we're crazy and we're stupid and we're not thinking. And, and, and we carry around regret. I meet people for 70 years who have carried around your regret. And, and perhaps that what the Lord was inviting me to leave behind had nothing to do with what was in my backpack. Rather, it had something to do with what was in my heart. So we need to be able to look to direction and find what it is that the Lord wants us to do. And we do that through reading and through conferences and workshops and all that. A good leader is well-educated. And I loved what, what David said last night. Uh, and, and there's a competency about that. And the question we ask ourselves is, where do we look to and what do we look to? So. Walking across the Camino, that's what's going to guide me for 500 miles. There's not this little map, there's not this little GPS. You're walking along and you're looking for a yellow arrow. Sometimes it's on a tree, sometimes it's on a rock, sometimes it's on a pipe. So this is what's going to guide us for 500 miles across Spain. Now, I had the thought if I was a 13-year-old Spaniard with an attitude and a yellow jar of paint, I would go over and put like yellow arrows all over the country and send them to Belgium. And, <laughs> and howling and stuff. So sometimes they look like that. The other is that when you begin the Camino, uh, everybody is given a shell, and it's a sign of the pilgrim. A lot of practical reasons for that. In the day, you could dig with it, you could drink with it. Now it's just the sign of the pilgrim. If you ever see a statue of St. James, you're going to see a statue he's going to wear. He's going to have a staff, he's going to have a hat, and he's going to have a shell. Amen? Amen. Questions? Because we're just going to keep plugging away. But I'd love questions if you have questions. No? Fine. <laughs> Okay, uh, I think this was, I can't read it because the lights never seem to go out, but something that's 765 kilometers or so, everything's in kilometers over in Europe, which I actually like speaking about kilometers because it was 800 kilometers, so it sounds a lot longer. Okay, that, this one I think is my favorite. All right, uh, leadership is difficult. It can be a burden. Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself Take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, obviously, uh, John and I hadn't talked about what we're going to speak about, but this is key to the life of a leader, is that there's a burden, there's a weight, that there's a cross that goes along with it. But when we hear this scripture where the Lord says, whoever wishes to come after me, so the first question, obviously, we have to ask ourselves is, do we want to follow? And it's our choice. Nobody's going to make us. God willing, you are past the time of going to Mass because your mom and dad say you have to. I mean, or because of peer, that you're doing this because of a personal disposition that you realize that there's something valuable and unique about it. So we each one of us has got to come to this place in this decision that says, whoever wants to follow me, if you want to follow me. So we have to answer that question, do I want to follow? And, and if we do, we have to say yes. And, and as John said, to be a leader is in fact to be a follower. But then the next thing the Lord says is he says, deny yourself. And in this text, and he speaks of the cost of discipleship in, in all the synoptics, uh, he says, you must deny yourself. And there's it's something to think about. The first thing he says is, if you want to follow me, he doesn't say you have to love. He doesn't say you have to. The first thing in the condition of following Jesus is you have to deny yourself. And, and then on the one level, obviously, being a leader, there are things about that that we have to deny ourselves. There are going to be occasions when you're not going to be able to do what you want to do because there are other responsibilities. But as John said, is that, that the leadership... This idea of self-denial. The first thing that Jesus says, if you want to be a follower of mine, is self-denial. That there is something constitutive to following Jesus and self-denial. And I love what, what John said. It's, it's these small little things that we do that deny ourselves that builds character in us so that when we have larger issues, uh, we're able to confront those. And I think that one of the greatest ways we can do this is fasting is that there has to be something in our life that we deny. The flesh wants to do this and wants to get, get, get. And anything we can do that denies the flesh and begins to treat our body and cause our body to be disciplined is essential for us. Uh, so, so think about that. Well, what does it mean for you to fast? I mean, what does it mean for you to deny yourself? Again, if you want to follow me, the first thing Jesus says is deny yourself. So we have to ask ourselves, am I living a life of self-denial? Because there's something constitutive to following Jesus and being faithful and, I believe, uh, to being a leader. And that is, uh, at the heart of that, is some type of self-denial. But then he says, pick up your cross and follow me daily. So my cross was this. I hate that backpack. <laughs> One of the things you develop on the Camino uh, is you develop what I call backpack envy. 
And what that is, is uh, you begin to admire everybody else's backpack. Because nobody understands how heavy my backpack was. Because my backpack was heavier than anybody else's that's ever walked the Camino. <laughs> and you seriously, you do. You begin to look and it's like, you know, Lord, why, why couldn't I have had their backpack? I would rather, why do I have to have this backpack? I mean, look, there was this one guy I met from Brazil. Uh, and his backpack was like this, you know the backpacks you get when you're in third grade, the little Spider-Man backpacks? And he had this little backpack. It's like, Jesus, why couldn't I have had his backpack? I mean, nobody understands how heavy my backpack is. So we're in Pamplona, which is where they run with the bulls. And I totally wanted to run with the bulls, but we had to leave earlier. So if anybody wants to run with the bulls, all right, those of us who are going to, good, good, we'll make a pilgrimage, uh, our last, and we'll run with the bulls. <laughs> So we're in Pamplona, and as it works out, myself, Father Joe, and this guy from Brazil, uh, we're in the same room. He sits down in his backpack, and he leaves, and I said, Joe, watch the door. He's like, what do you mean? I said, just watch the door. Let me know if he's coming. He's like, what are you, what are you gonna do? I said, I've gotta check out this guy's backpack. So I go, and I grab it. Joe's literally standing at the door. It's like, it's good, it's good, good. So I go, and I grab his backpack, and I lift it up, and this backpack weighed 10 times more than my backpack. It's like, oh my gosh. So I'm thinking exactly what you're thinking. What was in that backpack? So? Do not judge me, because you weren't there. And just, it's, it's really weird when I look out all these planks I see, huh? Think about it. I didn't look in his backpack, don't be ridiculous. He came back from the shower. The, the question is easy. I, honestly, you guys, uh, we have no idea the burden somebody else is carrying. We have no idea what their backpack is. And the thing is, is, is this was mine. It was the one that I had to carry. And, and the reality is, is within each one of our life, there's a backpack and each one of us has to carry it. And it's the one that the Lord has for me. And he has for you. And it's easy for us to look at other people's and say, I would rather have this, or nobody understands, or whatever it is. But the reality is, is if I want to be a follower of Jesus, I need to deny myself, and I need to pick up my backpack, and I need to walk with him daily. And we whine about it, and we complain about it, and we, and we moan about it. And, and, and I, there is a tremendous freedom when we come to understand that this backpack is mine, and Jesus reveals himself to me in the midst of that. And that the Lord is present in the midst of it, in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the struggles, in the midst of the suffering, he is present in that, huh? I think the worst day of the Camino for me was, uh, we'd been walking for about three weeks, maybe, maybe t 10, 20 days, and uh, it, it was an easy day, flat day, should have been cake, by this your body feels good, your body really adjusts, and, and about halfway into this, it was a short day, we only walked about 12 miles that day, and, and I was, it was exhausting. It's like, what's going on? I should be you know, in better shape now. It just felt awful. As it turns out, I was sick. So we get, the place you stay in the evening is called an albergue. So we get to the albergue, and I don't speak Spanish. I speak a few words. I got a C minus in Spanish here, so I'm proud to admit that. So, but I did, in a moment of grace, remember the word enfermo. So I begin to rub my stomach, which is the universal sign for sick. This is the universal sign for text. So I begin to rub my stomach, and they let me in. And for about the next six or seven hours, about every 20 minutes, I'm throwing up. In the middle of Spain, hot, musty room, no air conditioning, people walking by, laying next to my bed with this bucket throwing up. Now, I didn't have a lot of blisters, but Joe got blisters the whole time. But this particular day, I had a blister, and it was in the back of my heel where it's kind of really tough. So when I laid on my back and I had my kind of foot on the, on the bed there, it hurt. So I was laying on my stomach trying to pop this blister as I'm also throwing up. So I'm, you're going to enjoy this, all right? So, so I'm throwing up over, and I'm plopping this blister, and I can't do it. So I call Father Joe. I said, Father Joe, can you help me out? So he comes, it's like with an ice pick, and he's, and he's back in the back. So I'm throwing up, and he's poking me. And people are walking by. It's like, leave him alone, all right, the poor guy. So this was not a great moment, all right? <clears throat> I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying this so much, all right? I have more suffering that I can share with you that you'll love. So, so I'm in the midst of this, okay? And, and I literally cry out. I said, really, Lord? You brought me all the way across the world for this. This is what you had in mind. In the moment I heard the Lord say to me, yes. 
No wonder nobody likes you, huh? You guys, this sounds so cheesy, but at that moment, that room became light. Like, I can close my eyes and think, that room was light. And when I heard the Lord say, yes, this is, at this moment, what I have for you, it changed everything. It's like I would not trade that moment for the world. It was, for me, one of the most profound experiences of my life and certainly of the Camino. That in the moments of what I thought was terrible suffering, I understand, no, it's not. But it was what the Lord had for me. And this is what the Lord had for me. And I have to get, what, what is that? that? That we spend so much time trying to get away from the suffering and try to get away from the cross and try to get away from our backpacks, but the reality is, and particularly, honestly, in the discipleship but in leadership, that when we are able to embrace that, we actually find Jesus there. The, the, the mystery of our faith is the Lord reveals himself to us in the middle of a cross that he can't do it anywhere else. And we spend so much time trying to get away from it, and if we would stop and actually embrace it, we would find Jesus there. Amen? Amen. So the other thing is that at times, and this is important, uh, it's more difficult for us watching other people carry their backpack than us carrying our own. And that's that, that you're going to be working with people and you're going to watch them and they're going to be struggling and it's your job to lead them. And the reality is, is it's their backpack and they have to carry it. So this gal from Italy, she had 26 blisters on her feet. There was the bottoms of her feet looked like ground pork, all right? Every step she was walking, there were tears just rolling down her cheeks, huh? And somebody says to her, why don't you just quit? She says, I can't. So one morning, me and a couple of the people carried her backpack for part of the morning. Now, we didn't go up to her and say, okay, we're going to carry this backpack for you, but we just want you to know we're not going to carry it all the way to Santiago, all right? We're not going to, we're going to, she knew we weren't going to because it was hers, and she had to carry it. We could help her carry. And there's going to be people that you're going to be leading and you're going to work with that there's a cross that they're carrying and that we wish we could take it away. My mom's got multiple sclerosis. She's had it since I was five years old and I've prayed a million times, Lord, why? And why not me? I mean, give me that cross, but it's her cross and it's her cross to bear and it's her cross to carry. And the Lord reveals himself to in that. Amen? Amen. Self-denial, self-discipline. All right. Wait, this was fun too. All right. Uh, care for your body. Are you not aware that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Um, this is eminently concrete and practical, huh? But when you're walking the Camino, you really have to pay attention to your body. And that actually has something to do with leadership as well. Is that these are concrete as can be. Rest, exercise, nutrition, recreation, all matter. Uh, I am a huge believer in balance in balance, is that the Lord reveals himself. You know, either extreme, no matter what extreme, extremes simply aren't, there's a balance, huh? So that, that that's important for us who are leading, is that we represent and we show that. So all of these things about your body matter, huh? Keep in mind, uh, rest, relaxation, getting away, being by, when you're a leader, one of the struggles with the leader is you begin to get pulled in many, many different directions. And the danger is that we get caught up into how important we are, and everybody needs me, and everybody wants my time. And in the world, I'm surprised that they can get by without me, huh? And because of that, we don't take care of ourselves. And I love the scripture. We look in Luke 9. Uh, the crowds are there. They all want to be around Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He gets, gets away from them. I mean, that's a great image. The, the, all the people, they just want to be with Jesus. They want to pray with him. They want to be healed. And Jesus leaves them alone and says, I'm going to get away for a while. And I think that's important and really, really key for us as leaders is that we need to be able to care for ourselves, our sleep, our rest. Uh, the scripture says, useless is your earlier rising when going later to rest, huh? So it's like, I want to get up at seven morning, every morning and pray. If you're going to bed at three, it's probably not going to work very well, huh? So know yourself. I was, it was funny listening to John talk about those resumes. You also had to do your strengths and your weakness. You always hate that, huh? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? I don't know. But, but it's important that we know that, huh? It's important that I know myself and know my body and know what my strengths and what my weaknesses are. Uh, whenever I hire anybody, when, when I was hiring somebody to work for me, I always hired my weakness. Okay? I, I know what my strengths are. I don't need somebody to have the same necessarily the same strengths. I need somebody who I'm going to work with 
who uh, makes up for my weaknesses. So know what your weaknesses are, and when you're creating a team, uh, surround yourself by people who can help with that. Okay, so this is, this is, is where we stayed at night. Uh, rest is important, so this is where we stayed. You'll notice, this is really cool, watch this, this little green light here. Okay, so this is yellow pillow, so you may go to bed at night, and you may wake up with somebody next to you that you've never seen before. That's an awesome experience, all right? It's, you kind of, it's so weird when you open your eyes, it's like, Okay, you weren't there when I went to bed, all right? So it's just a great experience. Uh, yeah, this is me, first day. Uh, that's a shower. Uh, showering's important. I don't know why I took that. Oh, this is, in the evening, this is just a little bit more, but in the evenings you would basically, you have an option of having what's called a pilgrim's meal, or you can cook for yourself. Father Joe and I cook for ourselves mo maybe half the time. It's cheaper, it's a lot cheaper. Uh, basically to do the Camino, and this is why I think it's really cool. In fact, I always told, when I was at the university here, the students graduate from college, go walk the Camino, and then go, go get a job and, and do whatever you need to do, huh? Uh, you can do the Camino for roughly maximum 20 euro a day, but you could actually do it for 10 euro a day if you're cheap, like I am. All right, that was a great meal that we cooked. Looks delicious, doesn't it? Yeah, so yeah, know your body, know yourself, take care of yourself. Uh, I remember one time I was, I was getting a physical checkup and just talking to the doctor and he said, it sounds like you're stressed. It's like, stressed? I'm Father Dave Pavanka, I don't get stressed. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's for other people. And, uh, but we need to know, I mean, we need to know the signs of that and, and what does that look like? And, and knowing ourselves, knowing our body, treating our body well is really, really important. Amen? Yeah, taking a nap every now and then is a great idea. So every now and then we just stop. We, we walked an average of, I don't know, I should figure, you'd think I would figure this out, 20 some miles a day, you figure it out. We walked 500 miles in 30 days, so you figure it out. Someone, someone's right now is figuring this out. You're probably a math major. <laughs> Which means I would probably have hired you, all right? Okay, this was probably the coolest thing, all right? So this is a place in the, in the Camino where obviously water is really, really important. So as I'm coming up to this particular stop, everybody's pouring out their water, water bottle. And why are they doing this? Because at this particular place, you have an option on the right. It says agua on the left, vino, all right? This is the coolest stop in the world, all right? So you literally, there have been uh, monks here who for a thousand years have been taking care of the pilgrims by giving them a choice, do you want water or do you want wine? Everybody is pouring out their, this was the best day I had on the entire community. <laughs> Nothing hurt. It's like, could you, seriously, this whole bottle of, wa of wine, it's like, I love this. Could you imagine this in the States? I mean, people would build homes here, all right? And, and we would never leave. So, care for your body, all right? When I was the director in Gaming, I, I, it's funny how what people remember, this is the only thing that people would remember. And I said, some of you need to get out of the chapel and get to the pub, and some of you need to go from the pub and get to the chapel. <laughs> of course, it's the only thing they remembered is uh, leave the chapel and go to the pub. But, uh, but the thing is, 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 is that the wine was a part of Europe. I mean, it just, it, it absolutely is. And, and caring for yourself is having a nice client, glass of wine every now and then. Oh, oh, this was cool. I mean, the fact that John talked about this, okay. Uh, take care of the little things while they're still little, all right? Uh, Matthew says, uh, I can't read this. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a person took and sowed in the field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, yet when fully grown, it becomes the largest of plant. It becomes a large bush, and the, bir and the birds of the air or the sky come to dwell in its branches. Huh? And why I say take care of little things is that this is a great picture for you. And in fact, it was my Christmas photo this year. Um, <laughs> And what is that? What, well, that's, that's actually Father Joe's back of his heel, and that's a blister. And what you do is you take a needle, and you would put it through the blister with a thread on it, and then you take the needle off, and you would keep the thread in the blister, and it would cause it to, to, to drain. Kind of looks like Raggedy Andy, huh? I'll just keep that there for a while. <laughs> so that's just... This is a, actually really important, I think, a, an important principle for leadership. Uh, is if we don't take care of little things. The, the point here was, if you don't take care of your blisters when they're small, it becomes crazy. I mean, what they have is what's called a hot spot. So if you're walking along and you feel a hot spot, and when I first started, it's like, well, what does a hot spot feel like? Is, was that a hot spot? Was that a hot Because if you don't deal with it right away, uh, you get blisters, and, and the blisters become infected, so you have to, st I mean, you're walking along, it's like, oh, it doesn't feel that bad, and you realize after about the first day what, what a hot spot is, because literally on your foot it begins to feel hot, and it's the skin that's rubbing, and you have to stop, and you have to take off your shoe, and you have to put an anointment, and if you don't do that, if you don't deal with the small things right away, small things 
become big things. And small problems become big problems. In my experience in, in leadership is that is often one of the greatest areas that leaders fail, is that they don't deal with small things when they're small things and they become big things. One of the main ways that happens is they, they lack any ability to have any type of confrontation. The reality is, is part of leadership is confrontation. Confrontation is neither a good nor a bad thing, it is a reality. And yet I think most people, when you hear the word confrontation, you think negative, you think bad, you think, oh my gosh. It is simply a reality. You are not going to be able to have a group of people who work together without confrontation. And we as leaders have got to learn how to do that and how to do it well. Take a look at the 18th chapter of Matthew when Jesus actually talks about this. I'm not going to get into it because we don't have time because I am so running behind, all right? Like I said, punctual, when you start is important. When you end isn't as important as, uh, as when you start. But um, confrontation is simply a fact of life. You're not going to be able to have a group of people, and we need to learn to confront in charity, uh, to confront in humility. One of the main things I think people see is oftentimes our confrontation makes it sound like you're the problem, and it often has to be my experience. Okay, when you do this, this is what I experience. I'm not necessarily saying it's right or wrong, but we just need to understand that when you do this, this is how you are being experienced, all right? so that there be a personal ownership to it. Depending on the nature of the relationship, it may be that you have to say, uh, and I don't want you to do it anymore. And the reason why it's important is if we don't deal with confrontation, if we don't deal with the small things when they're small, uh, they become larger, and then the other people that we're working with look at that and they say, okay, well, this must be appropriate behavior, or this must be a reasonable way of, of, of acting. Like I had a situation one time where I'm, I'm actually, I think punctuality is really important. I think people who are, who are regularly not punctual, it's selfish. Now, we make, sometimes something happens that we can't be on time, traffic accident, something like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who are regularly non-punctual. And what that says is my time's more important than yours. And what I want to do is more important. And what I want to do is more important than this group. So I think little things like that. So unless you deal with it right away, if, if a person's coming five, 10 minutes late and you don't deal with it, what you're implicitly saying to everybody is it's really not that important. So go ahead and feel free. And, and, and then, then you've got an issue that becomes uh, like this big mustard seed growing. So deal with small things when they're small. Amen? This is just a beautiful Romanesque church. Just beautiful, beautiful churches here. I don't know. We're about halfway through. Questions? Just any questions? Leadership, communal, anything like that? Yeah. Do we do laundry? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I... See, this is hard because like, I tell this whole story about laundry. Um, and I'm not going to do it because we don't have time. Maybe I'll come back sometime and see if we can do something. But uh, yes, we did, in the evening, we did laundry. So we did, yes, that's all I'm going to say. Yes, we did laundry. It had basically two of everything, two shirts, two shorts, two underwear. You just, in the, eat, when you're in the evening, when you're done walking, you wash your clothes, and um, you take a little shower, a little hose or something like that. You had hot water maybe twice. I love my hot shower, and you didn't have them. All right? Anything else? Yeah. Do we ever get lost? Actually, this is, you know, it's interesting because I didn't even put this in. Uh, we got lost twice. Uh, and, and it was actually the same day. And one of this, this is a great word. <laughs> I mean, the, the, this is great leadership principle, and it's not actually one of the talks, one of the points of the talk. The only day we got lost is when we went with the crowd. Father Joe and I always went the hard way. I mean, there, there are certain paths on the Camino that, that are easier, and we always took the hard way. So there was a way that was a little bit flatter or a way that was in the mountains, and we always chose the more difficult way, just because usually it was also more beautiful. But this one particular day, we were leaving in the morning. We were, we were just kind of walking. We were walking with everybody else, and we realized that we'd gone the wrong way. So great leadership, great point there is that uh, actually, I write a book on this, and I talk about this, so get it. So, uh, and actually, just so you know, uh, all the books that I sell uh, goes to scholarship to you guys. So all the royalties and stuff goes to scholarships uh, for students to go to Franciscan University. So uh, buy a book and pay for your own school. Um, <laughs> but, but the, I mean, the scripture says, wide is the road that leads to damnation, and narrow is the road. Most people choose the wide one, and few people choose. And, and the reality is, in the culture today, we th we've got it totally opposite. Wide is the road that's going to lead to heaven. Most people are choosing it when that is not at all what Jesus said. And we need to say, when we're on the path that everybody else seems to be on, we should probably ask ourselves, might go in the right direction, huh? So following everybody else got us lost. And the other time was my own fault. Okay, uh, we are in this together. Uh, I and them and you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me 
and you love them as I have loved me. Um, we are not doing this by ourselves. So this is just me and my sheep and uh, my staff. One of the things is that, that we do this together. Leadership is, is not just me. It's not just what I want to do, but we come together as a group and a community. I think delegation is really important, that it's just not about me doing it, but it, it's actually surrounding myself with people who have the same vision and the same goals, all right? So that we're not in this by ourselves. One of the most beautiful ways I saw this in the Camino was this couple that I met. Uh, they were from Brazil. She was 68. He was 69 years old. Walking the Camino, walking 500 miles at 69 years old. It's fantastic. And it was the second time they'd done it. People asked me, would you do it again? No. No. You do it once. And that's all. Now, I would like to walk from Assisi to Rome. I think that would be cool. Or from Galilee to Jerusalem would be cool. <clears throat> but the Camino, no. This was the second time they did it. But the most remarkable thing was uh, the fact that the guy was blind. It was cool. Stand up for a second. So, yeah, come on, turn around. Uh, he would walk in front of his wife and she would place uh, her left hand on his right shoulder and they would walk. I mean, just a beautiful, are you crying? No, I think it's beautiful though. <laughs> I really like that. Actually, you know what's really cool? I was just in China and I was telling this story and the, 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 my interpreter literally started crying. It's like, okay, you need to pull things together, all right? <laughs> we got work to do here. But seriously, thanks. It was a beautiful, just, it was just a gorgeous, gorgeous image of, of this elderly couple realizing that they needed one another. And that's the reality in life that there's just so many images. One image, that you find somebody that you know is going the right direction, huh? That this gentleman was blind and he was trusting in his wife that, he, that she was gonna lead him to the place that he wanted to be. The same thing with leadership is, is that oftentimes we have people with us, they have no idea where they're going. I, there was a student from the university, she was going through a really hard time, and I was telling her the story, you know, just keep on walking, blah, 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 just don't give up, yada, yada, and she goes, you know, Father Dave, you told me to keep on walking, but I have no idea where I'm going, and I could just keep on walking and walk off a cliff. Hadn't thought about that. Uh, and then I remembered this couple, and, and, and part of it is that we find somebody that we know where they're going, that, that we may not always know where I'm going, but but that I find somebody that I believe they know. And sometimes the reality, you guys, is I'm gonna be the one who's gonna lend my shoulder, and sometimes I'm gonna be the one who needs a shoulder. But we walk this together, amen? amen? The other thing is that we are not competition. Is that oftentimes, particularly in leadership, we see each other as competition. That particularly in the spiritual life, gospel leadership, you are not my competition. The more holy you become does not mean that it is any, anything against me, okay? But oftentimes we see each other as competition. I need to get better. I need to be faster. I need to be stronger. I experienced that in the Camino. One day, uh, these, people, these other pilgrims passed us. I say, I, you would have thought... You thought they, they kicked me and, and stole my back. I mean, all they did was pass me, and I looked at Father Joe and said, I cannot believe you had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Seriously, if you wouldn't have had to go to the bathroom, you would not have been passed. And there's no, I mean, they're much better pilgrims than I am because they're walking faster, and this, this sense that they're my competition, and it's not about that, all right? We are in this together, and there needs to be a sense of unity to that, amen? amen. Ronald Reagan said, I think this is a great quote. He was a president, by the way. <laughs> There is no limit to what a person can do or where he or she can go if he or she doesn't mind who gets the credit. Huh? It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. I don't care who gets credit. Let's just get this done, huh? Just agree to that we're in this together. All right, this is just in the, when you got to a, it's called an albergue, a hostel, just not that fancy. Uh, at the end of the day, you'd line up your backpack because it didn't usually open up till the afternoon. So my backpack is right here, there's a little baby. Uh, and, and that's your order when you get in. So you put up your backpacks, and when they finally or, uh, open up the doors, you can come and you grab your backpack and you get your space again. Uh, why does that matter? Because sometimes when you're all together, where your bed is matters. You know, you don't want to be next to the bathroom. Um, the the communal is an unbelievably human experience. At one time, I thought, oh, it would be great to do it with the students. No, it would not be great to do it with the students because there is no privacy. I mean, there is no privacy. Do I need to say more? Let's just suffice it to say that there wasn't always bathroom doors. There is just not a lot of privacy, all right? The other thing is you want to pay attention to people, and you learn to know, you know people as you've been walking for days with them who snore because you do not want to be next to the couple from Sydney, Australia because he snored like a, oh my goodness, like a chainsaw. <laughs> so I would literally walk, watch where he went, and I would go the other direction. So where you are in this line actually matters, amen? Amen. So this is just, uh, these are just pictures. These are all bear gays and that kind of thing. Questions as I'm kind of going through these? 
Yeah. Um, did you and your um, fellow priests, did you share a liturgy of the hours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do we pray? We prayed morning prayer. Yeah, <laughs> liturgy of the hours. We had mass every day. Um, uh, we had mass every day. Sometimes, I didn't show a picture. Sometimes we were walking. It was really cool. You're walking a lot. Oh, my gosh, this is gorgeous. Let's just stop and have mass. Because oftentimes the, the churches were locked. So you're literally looking on the end. This, one, this, this was so cool. One time we had mass next to this lake. And this little bunch of ducks came. So it was myself, Father Joe, and a bunch of ducks. And it's like, this is so awesome, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Her point was is that you're not weak by taking care of it. It's, it's absolutely right that, they, it, that it's wisdom. It's discernment in taking care of that. That in the long run, I'll be better served and our ministry will be better served. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. All right, what do we got here? Uh, just another albergue. Uh, yeah, albergue. See, if you look over here, clothes hanging, that's part of the washing clothes. Another story. Yeah, bed. Just beautiful area. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. Uh, stop. And this one, I had to find some kind of scripture, so give me a break, all right? Uh, there is a time for everything. Uh, that's great. Uh, but the thing is, 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 is that, that, honestly, this is important, is that we who are leading, we need to be able to stop sometimes. And, and I, I was actually, when I was, a, I was a director of evangelization here for a number of years, and I was down in Florida State at, at a conference. And this one, it was a secular conference, and this guy said, I've stopped taking pride in my busyness. And he reflected that this sense that I'm so busy and people need me and I must be important and all these kinds of things. There's a way that we take pride in that. It's like I'm so busy because I mean, that's stupid, all right? And we can get so busy that we stop and we don't stop to smell the roses. St. Francis says, um, do not let the work extinguish the spirit of holy prayer. Huh? Do not let work extinguish the spirit of holy prayer. So take time to smell the roses or whatever those are or those or that. And take time to hold the puppies, huh? All right, the only reason I have this picture is for that. All right, we're walking along, and this guy, this little guy was on the side of the road. So we, we took him with us for a little day, and then we left him at a coffee shop. So, or to run with the bulls, all right? So this is really, this bull was charging. I bet you, I don't know how fast he was going at the time, but he was charging at me. I mean, it, this was unbelievably dangerous. I don't think you guys realize that. So it was really actually really difficult as he was charging for me to take the camera out of my pocket to give it to Father Joe to tell him how to use it and snap this picture was actually quite harrowing. So that's as close as I got to running with the bulls and this lady right here was the one who was in charge of those. She was about three foot nine, all right. So that's as close as I got. Perseverance. I have competed well. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. From now on, the crown of righteousness awaits me, in which the Lord, the just judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearance. Perseverance is key in leadership. It is that we have to have, and this was the, the situation with the Camino. It was just, there were some days I did not want to get up and walk, and you have, if you're going to finish, you have to walk. It's just. It's just one step at a time and perseverance and, and continuing to be faithful to that. When you're on the community and you've got a lot of time, you can make friends with snails, all right? So I watched, I was looking at this snail and the snail taught me something. And that is slow progress is progress. There's a way, there's a way that we look and, and we're, we're attracted to the, fat, the fastest, the biggest, the smartest, the newest, the flashiest. And the prize goes to the one who's just faithful and perseveres and step by step and day by day. And literally, I'm looking at this snail and one of the days Father Joe and I, we'd only gone maybe 15 miles, but that was our plan stop. And we said, well, let's just keep on going. Let's just go further because further must be better. It's not. We just go the way the Lord wants us to. When, when I got passed by these, these people, these pilgrims, I mean, I joke about it, but it really bugged me. And, and then I realized, you know, if I don't walk the fastest, or if I'm not, all I need to do is be faithful to what the Lord's asked me to do. And if he's asking me to walk slower than I'm going to walk, so all I want to do is what the Lord wants me to do. It's been said that purgatory is full of people who did more than God asked them. Huh? Purgatory is full of people who did more than God asked them. Well, God must want me to do this. 
All I want to do is what God wants me to do. And if God wants me to walk slow today, then I'll walk slow. And slow is good progress. You know, if you only walk 20 miles a day, in 10 days you've gone 200 miles, huh? The other thing is that when we're going so fast, we miss little things. I mean, you could, you could drive, you could do the Camino that we walked, took us 30 days, you could drive that in one day. But you would miss most, I mean, if you want to see a country, walk through it. You, you, you see things that you miss. And, and when we're so busy and when we're so running and we're so hurried, we miss things. You know, there's going to be somebody in front of us that needs something, that needs the, to just a hug or whatever it is, and we're so busy and we're so, that we miss that, huh? We need to slow down sometimes. Yeah, uh, we're 470 kilometers. Yeah, we got, I mean, yeah, we got stuck one night and oh, there's so many things. All right, this is where we slept. We slept in a hallway one night, all right? This is the door of death. Uh, this is the, the last third of the Camino. The first third and the last third are through the mountains. The middle third is, is flat. And this is, there could be a point in this, that, that the middle third is probably the most difficult because it's flat. It's the same day after day after day. And you persevere even though it doesn't look like you're making any progress. When you're going through the mountains, you go through a valley and you see this and you see that. For about six days, it's exactly the same day after day after day. So this is at the end of that period. It's the beginning of the third part of the Camino through the Galatian Mountains. And this was the door of death. And, and in the Middle Ages, a lot of people were doing it for penance or for, you know, they'd done some serious sin or something like that or reparation. Uh, and they would get to this and they would get to the last third and they would see they have to go through the mountains again. And for one reason or another, if they were sick, they weren't able to do it, um, they could you could literally die. If they could walk through that door, uh, the church provided them the same indulgence as if they in fact finished the Camino. So you walk through this door and off to the left there's a cemetery. And that's what many people did. They weren't able to walk anymore, but they were able to enter this door called the door of death and receive the same grace. What I see this is this is just the unbelievable generosity of the church. Huh? That, that, that while I wasn't able to quote unquote finish the race the way I thought I was going to, the Lord sees it, I mean the church sees it, and she gives us the same grace and same blessing. Amen? Amen. Yeah, just a gorgeous. Leon France had Pentecost there. Just beautiful. Yeah. This was actually the day after uh, I, I got so sick. So it was, and it was just, oh, I forgot to tell. So, so I'm sick. I'm throwing up. Yada, yada, yada. This person comes in. I could go back and show that picture again if you'd like to see that. So the, the gal who was in charge of it, she was a veterinarian, which I say is good because I was sick as a dog. Uh, so she comes... Come on, all right? So she comes with this pill and she gives me this. She goes, oh, maybe this medicine would help. So she gives me this medicine. Literally 10 minutes later, I feel great. It's like, why didn't you give me that uh, six hours ago? Well, I knew why, okay? 195 kilometers, we're getting close. Here's the thing, that oftentimes when we're leading and we're getting close to finishing something, we get sloppy at the end. It's like, I'm almost done. So we just kind of get sloppy at the end of a semester, at the end of, and, and the reality is that I'm 195 kilometers, and I think I have a little bit picture a while later. I'm 60 kilometers. Uh, that's, you could get in a car and be having coffee in Santiago in an hour. And the temptation is to try to do something different. But in the Camino, you just do the same thing day after day. You're faithful. And, and just because we're getting close, we're not done. And you finish strong. Amen? Uh, yeah, 65 kilometers, Santiago. Oh, this is kind of cool. This is a relief of John Paul. Uh, this is about five kilometers out. You can generally see Santiago. You can see the cathedral, except today it was cloudy, so we weren't able to do it. So it's just a relief of that. A heart of gratitude. Thank you. Uh, give thanks in all circumstances. I think, um, I think happy people make better leaders. I mentioned last night that, that our holiness needs to be seen. My life needs to be attractive. It's like, oh, you should follow Jesus because it's just, oh, you're going to love it. I don't get to do anything I want. Seriously, our life needs to look attractive. In our life, and there's the sense that that there, there's been studies that have been done about people who are happy. There's a Benedictine out of, I think, Belgium, but maybe France, who talks a lot about this. And he says that happy people have a heart of gratitude. Now, some people would say, well, they're they have a heart of gratitude because they're happy. And he says, no, in fact, it's the other way around. Is that we have a heart of gratitude, that we understand and, and go before the Lord and before the world with grateful 
You know, every time when I celebrate Mass at the Elevation of the Bread and Wine, I, I say in, in my heart, Lord, where would I be if you not intervened in my life? Huh? Just a great sense of gratitude. You know, we need to be grateful for, 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 for the Lord and all of these kinds of things, but we also need to simply say thank you to the people that we work with. I reflect on the lepers. Ten lepers are healed, and one goes back, and he thanks Jesus, and he's the only one that's saved. He says, weren't, weren't ten people, but nine people leave, and only one person comes back and says, thank you. And Jesus says, you are the one who's saved. Even though the other had been healed, only one of them is saved, the one who comes back and says, thank you. And Thanksgiving is key to it. So this is the Santiago. We've walked for 30 days, and I, it, was, it was actually really cool in that I kneeled down, and you'd think that there were all these high fives and excitement. It's an unbelievably personal experience, huh? You've walked 500 miles. And, and so I kneeled down in front of the, the basilica there, and I just said, thank you. And it was, Lord, thank you for this, and thank you for this, and thank you for my community, and thank you for my priesthood, and thank you for my family. And just this tremendous sense of, of gratitude. Huh? It's been said the saint is the one who says thank you and knows who it is that he needs to thank. And I think it's a beautiful, beautiful attribute and quality of a leader who is willing in, in, to be able to say thank you and recognize who it is to thank and who it is that we have gratitude for. Huh? Sorry, I knelt down in front of this Camino, in front of the Santiago with my Camino being over, and, and yet it's just the sense of it wasn't over, and, and what, you've got this whole ritual that you walk to. Literally for a thousand years, people have done the same ritual. You go in and there's, it's called the Tree of Life. It's an ivory um, carving and you place your hands on it and then you go around and there's a bust of the guy who this guy's name was Maso he created that and you put your head next to his head and you say I mean the same thing that anointed you to make something so beautiful anoint me you go around to the side and there's this big bust of St. James and you hug it and your Camino's over and it's just fantastic and yet there was this sense that it wasn't over huh? for the last several days the sense of something kind of being drawn and waiting so this is just, I put this in, this incense, this is the incenser that they use in, in the church, all right? We use this little incenser here. That, that's the incenser. It takes eight people to get it to the top of the church, where we use this cute little spoon to put incense, and we get to use this shovel, and you throw incense, and it's not little coal things, it's big logs of coal, and fire's coming out, literally from one side of the church to the other. It is phenomenal, and they've got these ropes, because if you get hit by that, you get killed. It's just a really cool thing. Why do they do it? Because in the Middle Ages, when the church was full of 5,000 people that have walked a thousand miles the church smelled awful all right so this would help with that so the, yeah this is uh you're kind of like your passport that you get in every place you stop these are all little stamps so everywhere you stop so when you're done you give them that and they said did you really walk it or did you just so you show them this and you get these stamps and then they give you uh, this which is the indulgence the blessing that you got at the end of the community, as I stated, I went through this whole process of, um, of going through the, the ritual, and, and I still didn't feel like it was over, and had mass, and still it's like, some, I'm done. I mean, it still didn't. And off to the left of the church, there's a, a chapel with a Eucharistic adoration. And uh, I walked into the, this chapel. It was actually later in the day. I didn't know it was there until later. And I walked in, and the first thing I heard the Lord say to me was, I've been waiting. And, and my, my, my Camino started in the Sacred Heart Chapel in, in the Cartausa, in that little chapel. I spent hundreds of hours there preparing and waiting and praying. And, and I walked into this chapel and I heard the Lord say to me, uh, I've been waiting. And, and that I think that's fundamentally true, that the Lord is continually waiting for us. And he's always present and he's always there. And the only way is, is the, the text that I heard, that crown uh, that's, wait, that's been waiting for us. The reason, one of the reasons I used the Eucharistic uh, canon that I did today, I love the, the canon where it says, we enter into the halls of heaven. Huh? These halls of heaven, just huge, and, and the saints lining it, and, and there's going to be rejoicing, and, and we, just, we just need to keep on walking. And I can imagine what it's going to be to walk into the halls of heaven and exhausted, and, and finally I don't have to carry my backpack anymore, just leaving it at the gate, and I just get to walk in in the halls of heaven, and the Lord, and the Lord is going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, I've been waiting. Huh? And the only way we don't get that, the only way we don't inherit the prize is if we give up. At the end of the Camino, I wrote my family an, an email, and I said, you know, there's nothing complicated about the Camino. You just get up in the morning, and you, take, you start walking. Pick up your backpack, and you start walking, one day at a time, one step at a time. But it's not easy. 
It's not complicated, but it's not easy. And I said it's the same thing with the spiritual life. There's nothing complicated about this. Get up in the morning, uh, make ourselves available to the Lord, try to love. At the end of the evening, figure out how we're doing. Nothing complicated about it, but unbelievably difficult. And the only way we're going to lose, brothers and sisters, if we give up. The only way I was going to not be able to finish the Camino is if I just stopped. If I just said, I'm not going to walk anymore. But as long as I go one step, one day at a time, one step at a time sometimes, uh, each one of us will inherit that prize. Faith and Reason Podcasts. New media for the new evangelization from Franciscan University of Steubenville. Find more at faithandreason.com.